I was born at 7.47 p.m. I am now 45 years old, and more times than not, when I look to see what time it is, 7.47 appears on the clock. What does that mean? Let's find out. Hello, friend. You're listening to the Edited for Content Show, a place where we try to understand a topic by extracting truth from theater. If you like this podcast, let me know, share it, and come back again. In this episode, I wanted to understand why 747 continues to pop up in my life. The only science behind anything with numbers is numerology which I have zero understanding of. So let's get into it. I'm not saying I don't believe in the unknown out there in the universe, but I I do know I don't understand the unknown. Deja vu is when something seems like it happened before in your life. Well, this happens almost daily with me, and the number is 747. Clocks, mileage on my car, Signs, even step counters always seem to have the number on it. So what does numerology really mean? Is this the combination to my soul? Is this the secret number to unlock everything in my life? Is it some sort of curse until I figure out its meaning? It's just going to plague me day in and day out. I really don't know. But I want to know, and I want to understand. I want to be able to understand what the universe is trying to tell me. Well, in order for me to do that, I need a professional. I need to talk to a numerologist. My guest has 25 years of experience as a spiritual counselor. He provides his expertise in astrology, the tarot, numerology, and many other disciplines. A frequent guest of the show List TV and a former host of The Mind and Body and Spirit of Arizona and author of Dirty Little Secrets and Snake Oil, Volume 1, I present Jim Ventura. <laughs> All right, Earl. Thanks for having me. Oh, hey. thank I, I appreciate you for coming on. Um, first and foremost, I got to ask, what is a spiritual counselor? Okay. Um, you know, it, it, kind of an interesting story behind that. So it's a great question. I actually, over the years, I've kind of altered that to call myself a navigational consultant. Um, because I think that's really ultimately what I do. I help people kind of navigate through through life a little bit more effectively. So, you know, if you go back to the original terminology of saying a spiritual counselor, um, you know, I started studying, you know, astrology and numerology and, and, and many of these other um, oracles of sorts at a fairly young age. Um, so I was always sort of a counselor by nature. Okay. Um, but then I kind of went to school briefly for psychology and I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I didn't like it. It didn't fit. So it kind of left me in this weird quandary because I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm meant to like guide people, but... I don't want to go the normal road. So that it became sort of that evolution where I eventually years, I mean, I did all kinds of readings for myself and friends and people for many years before I quote unquote became a professional. And then I just like the idea of spiritual counselor because, um, I mean, that's a big part of it. It's incorporating, you know, you're not running away from the practical life, but you're adding another element of understanding kind of a spiritual understanding of life and events and circumstances. And that's kind of my mark that I'm good at. Okay. All right. And it sounds like, I mean, I guess I got to ask, so what was it about psychology that completely turned you off? Like, you know what? I'd like to say because it was categorizing people, but I can't say that that's true because the truth is to some extent, astrology does that and even numerology and things like that. I think, um, my perspective on it, this is, again, really good question, because I think when I think of psychology in general, I think it's a young art form. 
meaning it's only been around for a hundred or so years, you know, true psychology and psychiatry, where if you look at the the energy patterns behind astrology or numerology, even things like tarot, which I know would blow people's minds, the the amount of archetypal, you know, even biblical references to tarot cards and things of that nature. I think that they have more history behind them in a way. So I think it's that part of me that was sort of drawn to like, I don't know, just like, a, um, you know, for many people, uh, like even being drawn to Druid teachings or, you know, people that go to Ireland and Scotland, it's because it's so rich in a history of kind of cool stuff for like hundreds, if not thousands of years. Right, so right. I think that's why it's like psychology is awesome. Don't get me wrong. There's elements that I've talked to brilliant psychologists, you know what I mean? But just, I think everyone has to have their own niche. And for me, it just was like, it was like, it was like just boring to me. (laughs) I I just was bored out of my mind. You know what I mean? I kept trying and I just could not make it fit, you know? So that's probably why. And it's funny you should say that because to me, when I always think about psychology, I always think of like, if you look at like the practice and the science and how they got the information, it was kind of through medieval torture. It was, <laughs> it was really like, how much can we, where is your breaking point? What kind of things can we do to you? What is the reaction of those things? And then we're going to write a book about, about it. And it's really kind of medieval. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, and that's an awesome point. I, I mean, I wouldn't even have thought of that. You know, and I also, from personal experience, I mean, I have, I'm, you know, I'm 56 years old. I've worked with thousands and thousands of people over the years. And I got to tell you, like, I run across psychologists that it's really cool to talk at that level with them because they, they can talk about multiple layers of things. But I say this with love, a good portion of them are a tad nutty. Oh, and, yeah. You know what I mean? Right? You know what I mean? And, and like, I don't know, man, if your own life isn't working very well, I'm not really sure how much, how well you can do as a healer, <laughs> you know, when you kind of boil that down. Right. Right. So that's what I thought. Well, and I, you know, <clears throat> that's funny you should say that because there's, and I don't remember where I heard it or what, but a long time ago, do you want to take advice on sobering up from a guy who's never dro- drank a drop in his life? Or would you rather that's- have a reformed alcoholic? because he's been there. And I think psychologists is kind of the, you, there is a little, they're about a half a bubble off center and they really have that little in the back of their mind where they're not a hundred percent. Shrinks need shrinks. Somebody said that once. And I always laughed at that because you don't really think of, right. You know, but it's, it's true. Absolutely. That's. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and here's an interesting thing that you just brought up. And, and depending on which subject road we want to go down um, in, in this particular interview, but in, in astrology, for instance, Scorpio's lesson is to learn forgiveness because it's considered like a karmic sign, meaning often it can feel like you're paying back karmic debt, you know, in a way. And so you go through difficulty. But the interesting thing about it is so Scorpio says by learning forgiveness, you transform the energy of the difficulty you went through and you bring it to purpose. So, so people with strong Scorpio traits in the chart, for instance, can be very powerful healers and how they affect other people. But bring that back to the thing you just said, which is they got there because it's like, let me give you a great example. I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic school and, and, and listen, there were elements of Catholicism that were awesome. And then there was stuff that, you know, made me pull my hair out. You know what I mean? So it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, the point is this. I always thought to myself, even as a kid, why would you be going to the priest for advice on marriage counseling? Oh, wow. But who would possibly know less about this subject, right? Right. So it brings back to what kind of you said. If you have a drug problem and you go to someone that never even smoked a joint in their life or any type of thing, there's kind of a part of you that's like, Dude, you don't even know where I walked. I so, Oh my goodness! Yeah. I never thought of that. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so it is—it's really an interesting astrological thing connected with Scorpio, the overcoming to bringing you to a sense of purpose. You know, one of the things I always find very, very cute in human 
behavior. Whenever I do any type of marketing of astrology and numerology, of course, I always get the, the trolls that write, astrology has been debunked. This is all BS, all the other usual troll, trollology, I like to call it, that comes up. And it always makes me laugh because I always think, one, you've never obviously looked into any of these subjects in any real way before you've made that decision. And two, you're arguing over whether a language exists. Astrology and numerology and these things, they're a language. So if you learn the language, it can be very useful. But pretending they're not real is like pretending the Russian language doesn't exist. Congratulations. You don't have to learn the Russian language in your lifetime. But it can be very helpful if you're going to live in Russia. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it's something I often bring up again in, in human behavior. People can be a little silly that way. It, it's understandable, but dopey. <laughs> it's understandable, but no. <laughs> dopey, right. Yeah. But I love that. It's I and you're right, because and this is why, in 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 all honesty, this is really why I started this show because um I love knowledge. I have a thirst for knowledge. And it's in the Western philosophy, knowledge costs a lot of money. Right. Because, I mean, if I could be a full-time student for the rest of my life, I would. I'd probably get divorced. But right. at least, you know, so I'm into the knowledge. But I also believe in, in, you know, to your point earlier, like, for instance, the priest thing. I think that there's a bias in what is being taught to you like for you know like what you do right it's kind of for many years kind of talked about in hushed tones right. and closets and corners and um i mean if, and if you want to go back medieval times i mean witchcraft and and having this um stigmata to it if you will of kind of this occult but right. the reality is that Long before the Bible was written, there were the like the stars were there, like yeah. like people were doing that. So, um, I think there, I think there is things. I think that, that people don't understand, and instead of being instead of trolling, I want to I want to know. I want to get the knowledge. Right. You know what I mean? And that's I want to learn the language. I might never be fluent, <laughs> but even. But even learning a little of the language is useful. And, and I, I throw two points in that I always tell people. Like when I was a kid and I was starting to study this stuff, like to get a book, of a new age book, you had to go to the occult section. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that's what it was called back in the day. So like you'd be worrying about, you know, someone's going to throw holy water on you while you were rummaging around there. And it became a very big business in terms of you can't go to a bookstore and not see self-help sections and new age stuff all over the place now. I mean, it's a different ballgame. Two, one thing I always love to point out is from a biblical reference, the three wise men that, that found the star to get to Jesus were astrologers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so again, you're kind of arguing about something. They, it was obviously an astrological phenomenon right. that was looked at for many centuries when it was going to come and the planets kind of aligned and you know what I mean? Like now they talk about us being in the age of Aquarius. Um, oh, I thought that was just a song. Oh, it, well, it is. It's really, it's a really cute song. But it's actually, it is actually true. Every about 2,000 years from astrological perspective, you move into a different type of an age. So from zero to 2000 AD, we were in the age of Pisces, which is why you had such a heightened energy of Christianity and selflessness and the duality of Pisces. And before that, if you go back to the 2000 years before zero AD, it was the Aries age. And think about, I mean, the, the early Old Testament was a much angrier God. It was more yeah. of an Aries God. Yeah, yeah. Right? The whole, yeah, the whole energy about it was much more. God was pissed off. You know what I mean? Listen, right. I love Aries, but fuck me, you know, don't piss an Aries off obvious reasons too in that way they're strong people so the aquarian age is just about really that is sort of 2000 was that lifting point moving into this different age that we're in now and it is about brotherhood and people getting together and uniting and being weird and being more eccentric and i mean all very aquarian things that oh wow that is amazing like I just thought that was, but that's an that's a thing. Like that's a real yeah, thing. The real thing, right? From astrological. Listen, you can when you really break it down. I mean, even 
when the election happened in 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 2016, I was breaking the astrological math down about who was likely to win the election. And I had a lot of my more liberal friends angry at me because I said there was about a 20, 25% chance Donald Trump would win the election. The astrology was kind of leaning a little his way. And they, of course, wanted to strangle me. And I'm like, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. Right. That's, I'm not getting into that. I'm telling you astrologically what the conditions are that often bring about certain events. So they don't make things happen, but they do sort of nudge things almost in a way. So, okay. So this is completely blowing my mind because I'm thinking about like all the wars and the conflict during that Aries time. Like, I, yes. mean, I mean, you're talking about everything from the Crusades to totally. the Iraq war. I mean, that's, that's violent. I mean, it was violent. It's all violent. Yes. It was much more right. It was that kind of argument. Um, and, and, and like I said, it does there, there's, there's personal astrology, which is way more notable to you. And there is societal astrology. Even if you really go further, many astrologers predicted COVID coming, but they didn't know it would be COVID. The, the, the astrology at, at the time, in early 2020, when COVID came along, was somewhat similar to what was going on in 1931, 1932. Oh. So, yeah. And I could go into a lot of detail about that and mathematically bore everybody. But the, the interesting part of it, it was, it's like a fear cast that came over society that would be a power struggle. Okay. Pluto. That came into play at that time. So astrologers didn't exactly know exactly how it would pan out, but they knew something was coming that was going to be kind of terrible. <laughs> you know, for lack of a better way of putting it. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's, again, it's the kids, the kids born or the kids that live through this COVID thing, they're going to be a lot like, they're going to become very conservative in a lot of ways about things as they get older, because it's similar to people born in 1931, 1932, 1933, when they came out of a depression, it changes the structure of the person in that way. So that's kind of what I said. I'm like, you know, we're moving into very liberal territory in a lot of ways now, but 20 years from now, 30 years from now, when these kids become adults, there's going to be a different push toward conservative energy in that way. Um, it's just patterns that come up. So, so I always think of like, and I, I mean, and obviously at some point we're going to get the numerology, but now you've got me so intrigued. So right. like, I think of the universe in terms of circles, like, it, you know, the, it, there's always these stories about everything comes around, whatever, but in all honesty, it's like, it's more of like an elliptical type of thing where you have right. kind of like a narrow area and then a long area, like you're away from everything. So I guess my question is like, and if I'm understanding you correctly, there's these periods or these time frames where you kind of get this um, wave of different types of behavior, but the reaction to that behavior in that time frame is actually going to throw that ellipsis in a different pattern. So when right. it comes back again, it's actually going to alter how that works. Yes. You're nailing it. It It's, you're going to see a certain pattern with it, although there's still a certain level of leeway because you're never going to have an exact replica astrologically of events. Right. There's always going to be, but it's, it's like you're looking at certain preponderances of patterning in a way. It's the same dynamic, you know, even if you switch gears to, you know, something like numerology, which I know you had initially wanted to talk We're about. We're going to get also. there. We're going to get there. <laughs> You know, it, it's, you're right. There's a certain, listen, we're all drawn to certain numbers. There's certain, you know, anybody, even again, even astrologically, people know, a lot of times people say, well, I don't really get along with Scorpios and I don't, you know what I mean? And you kind of laugh, but there is truth sometimes that certain signs are going to be easier for you energetically to interact with and some, you know, may not, uh, same thing with, with almost anything in that sense. But there are there's definitive patterns. I, I Listen, I can boil this down to the most simplistic thing. I think that everything is a pattern that you haven't figured out. I think randomness is nonsense. Nonsense. I don't think anything is truly random. I think it's just, you know, 
we may not understand what that pattern means or its purpose behind it, but I don't know about randomness. I'm not, I've never been fully convinced. See, and that's amazing to me because it, the way you're describing it, if I, if I brought that to a group of friends and they'd look at me like I'm crazy, but Einstein talked about string theory and the connecting things and, you know, and everything. It's the same thing. It's just a science fancy word for what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Many, many, uh, many physicists eventually become somewhat spiritual because of that. The study of matter start bringing them into these kind of larger patterns and things that are sometimes hard to explain in that way that there's got to be something deeper and interconnected, you know, going on. You know, many of us were, we've been kind of conditioned about sort of the Darwinian theory of survival. Right. You know, but yet when you look out into nature, nature is abnormally cooperative, really cooperative, (laughs) way more. So I don't, again, I always kind of question the survival of the fittest idea. Yeah, in some ways too, because to me, you know, there's an there's an organization to the cat catching the mouse and the interaction that operates within nature structures themselves. So to me, there's there's always something deeper. And I'll, I'll I'll turn this into a humorous point. When I was like in my teens, you know, one of my friends once said, "Jim would see meaning in a pile of dirt." Oh yeah, and I'm well, like. All I heard was that was compliment. I don't think that was meant to be. Yeah, no. <laughs> but to me, I took it as a compliment. Because even when I was younger, like, I can throw sticks on the ground and I could tell by the pattern of how the sticks landed something. Yeah. You know what I mean? In a way. And and I always thought I was a weirdo. You know what I mean? Because I did that. And then later on, it was like, ah, maybe you weren't so weird. So when did you, at like, I guess, when did you first realize that you had that gift, that ability to do that? Well, you know, it, it, let me use this, the numerology as that specific reference. Here's the interesting thing. When I was a kid, the way I would remember my friends like house numbers or numbers in general as a child was I would add numbers together and then reduce them to a singular digit. So like if my, my friend lived in, you know, 20, uh, the house number was 299. I would add two plus nine plus nine and that would be, you know, a two house to me because it would be 18 plus two is 20 and then two plus one is zero. Uh, it's two. Two plus zero is two. Right. So I would reduce to singular digits. So here's the trippy thing. When I bought my first numerology book when I was like 16 years old, that's what you do in numerology. So I was doing it as a child without ever having been exposed to that. Okay. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So... Okay, so I guess we're going to actually get back to what, well, it's, okay, first things first. So what is numerology then? What is the, the basis oh, of numerology? The basis of numerology, again, think, like I said, best thing to think of is think of it as a language. It's uh-huh. the language of numbers. Okay. So, you know, um, we all have favorite numbers. You know, we have numbers that we tend to see a lot. Um, yeah. There's certain, like I, when I was, um, when I was about 20 years old, I had a roommate um, that was a 40 year old man. And he had told me that he'd lived in four homes in his life. And every one of them was a nine, every home, the childhood home, every place he ever moved to ended up becoming a nine in numerology. And so when I, he found out I did numerology, he was sort of blown away by that. Cause it was something he had caught himself that every home broke down to that number. So he was, you know, intrigued and in asking that question. I was like, well, because the numbers have meaning as well in that sense number one has a specific meaning behind it number two does number three you know you add them together in combinations and it 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 alters the math and changes the energy pattern that way but they still always eventually sort of reduce to kind of a singular digit a base formula in that way so numerology like there's a lot of different languages to numerology you can find different authors that might take a different approach to it okay but overall um you know, two influences in numerology. You can look at your name and convert the letters of your name to numbers and then look at those as personality traits and characteristics that you have. And you can look at your date of birth and that sort of is like the day you were born, the sum total of your whole date of birth. So that's like your birth path. 
that's what you came here to do in this lifetime. You came here to walk that number as a primary focus. Oh, okay. Whoa. So how do, so I guess what is the significance of bringing it down to a single digit then? Because it, it it's always sort of brought down to its common denominator. So for instance, like here's this this is the this is a perfect example. If you look at the number 11, Okay. In numerology, that's considered a master number. 11s, 22s, 33s, 44s, these are what we call master numbers. But they still reduce to a singular digit. So the number 11 is a 2 in numerology, because it's 1 and it's 1. Okay. But yet you can read it sort of both ways. Is it a, an 11 vibration or is it a 2 vibration? They're not that far off from each other. They actually have a similar connotation and a similar meaning. Um, so same with like the number 22. If you're born on the 22nd, that's a master birthday. You have a 22 birthday. But you could still read that as a four in numerology. The two and the two brings it to a four. So they won't argue with each other. It's almost more like it's just sort of a higher octave of that energy pattern okay. um, in that way. So, but the single digit, really, here's the good news. That's why numerology is actually a little easier than astrology, because you're really you got a lot of combinations, but you're still going down to basically nine numbers. It's a little, it's a little easier to work with in comparison. Astrology is much more complicated, you know, in that way. So when you say nine numbers, so is zero, then zero is not in the mix. Zero is a number, but it's not, doesn't have quite the same impact. Okay. If you add zero to anything, you're still getting the same number. You oh, know what I mean? I got the you. number 10 is still a one. Here's another odd thing. If you add nine to any number, it always brings it back to the same number. I, I know. Let me. I kind of want to make everyone's mathematical heads, but it's actually pretty simple. Eight. If the number eighty-nine, for instance, in numerology is an eight, because eight and nine is seventeen. Seven and one is an eight again. Not, so you can always wash out your nine in that way as well, too, mathematically. It always brings itself back. And that actually is sort of the weird meaning of the number. People with strong nines tend to be empathic and understanding and able to be chameleons and reflect and connect. And You know what I mean? So, oddly <laughs> enough, it's not that strange, right? You know what I mean? Right. It brings it back to itself in that way. So, it's a quick mathematical formula when you're doing some of the numbers. You can kind of like, you can just drop the nines because it's always going to bring it back to that number anyway. You know what I mean? And shorten the shorten the code. That's why really good numerology. Like I've done so many of them that people they watch me do someone's chart and they're always like, Oh my God, how do you do the math that fast? I'm like, you know, I've done a million of them. Right, right. But also, but I and here's the funny thing, I loved mathematics when I was in school. I loved it. Oh yeah. I, you think a philosopher wouldn't love mathematics. Oh, the opposite. I adore mathematics. So amazing. For me, I completely respect that because to me, the one thing I love about numbers is it's the one truth in life. Numbers is truth. And people look at me like that, like you're crazy. I'm like, no, the written language, uh, wor 20 words can mean 20 different things. In math, yeah. one and one is two. It's That's the answer. And I, and I dig that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no. Absolutely. It's a great it's a great understanding of the, the simplicity of it in that way. It always sort of boils down. You're right. In fact, you know, just on a side note, you know, the hardest thing about the English language is not the English language. It's slang. People that move here from other countries, it's learning English slang because we, we massacre or creatively alter words constantly. You're right. We can't really do that so much with numbers. They just are what they are. You know what I mean? Like, you see, you can break that down even to, there are numerology, like, if you look at the numerology of your home, mm -hmm. like your house number, your apartment number, it's going to tell you what the vibe is of your home. And they're all going to have a similar type of feel to them in that way. I know, it's cool when you learn it, but then you're like, you get the hang of it. It's very, it's almost like feng shui in that sense. You know what I mean? Like, the okay. same thing, like, when you learn feng shui, you're like, why does, why does this mean anything if you put this over here and then you put it over there you're like oh i can see that feels better okay. <laughs> like, i can see exactly why that feels better so it's the same there are combination numbers even in homes and things of that nature that will reflect the vibe of the home and the space so for a lot of people is it just a feeling 
or like like for instance like you come up to a home and you see the address and you're like yeah i could live here like you don't understand it but it's just something you feel when you see it is that kind of what that like that is yeah yeah there's uh i mean it, it's it, there's sort of a resonance almost right away where you can you could vibe with the number or you can vibe with the feeling of the home i mean again it sounds esoteric but it's really not because you Anyone who's ever traveled knows, like, there's times you can land in a certain city and just love it. And there's other times you're like, I just hate Boston. I hate Boston. <laughs> I hate the vibe of Boston. And I, I perfectly have no issue with Boston. I'm mean, just thinking as an example. But you know that type of thing. You've got certain things that you're just like, oh, I just can't. I can't resonate with that. So it's the same thing, really, to some extent with numbers and, and a feel. A lot of it's intuitive. Um we're just sensing or feeling out whether a home feels comfortable. But when you start looking at the math behind it, then you'll start to see the pattern fits. And those ahas come into play where you're like, isn't that funny? I, I like three homes, but I don't feel comfortable in a seven home. It's too quiet for me. You know what I mean? I need a place where I can have a good party and I could laugh. The three home does a better vibe to me, you know, that way. So it all sounds like I said, that's the one thing I'm always telling people. What sounds esoteric when you actually study it moves out of esoteric and into factual. Right. Right? right. It's like that to me almost with anything, you know? No, no, absolutely. So. You're listening to Edited for Content, separating truth from theater. So what is numerology like? Is there like a... Is, uh, a, I don't want to say this. Like, is there a, a, a point of origin historically that it comes from? Like, uh, you know, a certain group, a certain whatever. I mean, yeah, you can you can track a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of um, correlations with numerology to um, Jewish mysticism that traces really, really far back in terms of study of numbers. Um, but what you'll often find is that different cultures in different places will have different versions of a lot of the same perception. Okay. So numerology, I don't know exactly where it originated. I think it's, I just know it's been around for a really, really long time in that sense, because numbers are just, again, they're just numbers. You know what I mean? We've always had numbers, right? You know, there's a, you know, if you're holding three sticks, it feels different than when you're holding two sticks. You know what I mean? There's a different, right? You can even break it down. I, I, here's my perfect example. Let me give you an example and make you laugh. And perfect, easy media example for people. When you have a best friend, the energy of two is often very compatible. Yet, if you have, if there's three of you, often it's not a smooth energy. Uh, the number three, it could be fun. It could be creative, it could be dynamic, but it's often not necessarily smooth. Because what happens is people automatically take positions. When you're one-on-one -on -one in number two, there's an equality in that way. With the number three, one person ends up taking the positive position on everything. One is the negative, and the other one is always caught in the middle of those two. Oh. This is universal law. It's one of the reasons why we say people often say that like a, a three-way relationship is, is morally corrupt. It's not a question of it being morally corrupt. It's mathematically not sound. It's harder to do energetically. Yet, if you look at something like the number four, the four is about stability. So, if you're a couple and you have and you and and you say you're a guy, you're married to your wife or your husband, or whatever your situation is, and you have a best friend, your wife may not be thrilled with your best friend because the number three just jams up the damn. The best friend has too much power over you. Add a fourth person to the mix. Now you've stabilized it. Think of Sex in the City. Yes. There were four lead characters. And, the, the, you know, the three best friend thing is illusion. I mean, it can last for a while, but rarely do people say, oh, there's the three of us have been a three-way three power couple of friends. For you. Get, get out of here. You're kidding me. <laughs> Probably not. You might have had three exciting years together, so one of you nearly killed the other one. Right. So you can even break it down to the way people interact with each other with numbers. The numbers just, they just patterned and people fall into those patterns, whether you believe them or not, you just sort of going to. Right. Right. That, you know what, that first of all blows my mind, but you're absolutely right. One of the things I used to get in an argument with, with my friends years ago was the TV show three's company. Right. Cause it wasn't three. 
because Mr. Roper, who was the guy who rented the place, was always in the mix. There was four. Yeah. Absolutely. It was never yeah, three. You're right. Yes. And, you know, and the energy of the three was meant to create the quagmire of it to begin with. You're right. There was a stabilizing factor by adding that character. Right. He played the, the conservative kind of grounded supposedly character in that way. And then if you add his wife, you add the eccentric. Right. The number five always brings to an eccentricity that takes us to the floor structure still survives, but now you've got a weirdo in the mix, someone who throws a monkey wrench into the game. That's why we hear expressions like the fifth wheel. Right. Yeah, see what I mean? So numbers, is, it's so immersed in our basic psyche and the way that we are that, again, when you start studying and learning it, you get like a million ahas a minute because you're like, I've known this all my life. I just never had words for it. I didn't have the language of what the number three feels like. So are there numbers or combinations of numbers that people should just uh, outright avoid? Like, is there like, like 911 numbers, like where, and I use 911, that's funny, but because <laughs> it's a number, but, but I mean, is there a combination of numbers or is there a, a, a singularity that like certain people should just flat out avoid? You know, and, and uh, again, Interesting question, because for, still to this day, you rarely can go into a building that has a 13th floor. Right. They're almost always removed. There's no 13th floor. And the reason that is so is, this will make you laugh, it's associated with the number 13 being bad luck. But that connotation actually stems from the number 13 represents the death card in a tarot deck. No. And that's a big part of where that stems from. So, But the weird thing that people don't know... <laughs> It's like that card actually is a good card. It means that the ending of one stage and phase in your life and the beginning of another one, it's actually mostly has positive connotations to it, oddly enough. So there's a misnomer about that. Same with 666. You know what I mean? Yeah. It becomes sort of a societal issue more than anything. And you're absolutely right. 911, you know, it has a bad tag attached to it. But in, ultimately, the numbers themselves have no real negative connotations to them. They, they just don't. It becomes a societal belief that everyone now carries that it's a bad number. But yeah, we you. it's not uncommon for people to see repeated number combinations um, often uh, in general. And they have meaning, specific meanings. And, you know, there's a great book that came out some years ago by Doreen Virtue called Angel Numbers. And she goes through the meaning of, of numbers like from number one to, I think, 999, when you see combination of numbers, what like the angel message is behind it, which is really cute, but also kind of interesting in that way as well, depending on your perception of that type of a thing. Oh, wow. So, I mean, and obviously, and this is what's so fascinating, and this is why I love talking to you, because, I mean, we could talk about astrology, we could talk about tarot. I am going to say one thing about the tarot. I had no idea. I thought the death card, I, th I literally thought if you flip that death card over, it was like, okay, well, thanks for the session. I'm going to go home and lay down and not wake yeah, up. Right, so right. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, that's a good thing. How is that even possible? Like, it, but I didn't know that the number 13 was on the death card. Like that's. It, it is the number. So like, for instance, simple example of this, when you, if you're a single guy or, or woman and you get married and you partner it is the death of your singlehood. That could be the greatest moment of your life. Oh. It's the death of that singlehood. And, and in another weird way where people will strangle me for this, if you're living correctly and you're not fearful of death and you should theoretically, like when you're 98 years old or 104 years old or 87 years old, you should be like, all right, it's been a really great, enjoyable life. It's time for me to get the hell out of here. <laughs> you know, like I'm tired. <laughs> And I just want to, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, in that sense, it's been really interesting. The body ain't working the way I like it used to do anymore. And I'm kind of tired. And I, that's a more extreme example of it. But we place a tremendous fear connotation around these subjects. Oh, yeah. Because of a lot of miscommunicated energy about it. And that's because any, you watch a movie, you know, and then the, 
the, the terror reader turns the death card over and she gasps and you know what I mean? And it, and from a, a real tarot card reader, it's like, oh, that's nonsense. You know what I mean? That's not actually what it means. There are cards in the deck that are terrible, like the Five of Swords or the Ten of Swords. Uh-huh. There's actually cards that represent real difficulty. Death card, not so much. That's funny. Oddly enough, you know? So, yeah. and, and, I'll, and to put it, you know, kind of reference to me, so um, I'm a nurse. Um, right. I did, you know, 30 plus years in, in the medical field and, and most of that was in critical care. When I watch a medical show, I I can't. I just can't. I'm like, no, this is, please stop. Just stop what yeah, you're doing. Horrible, right? <laughs> Total nonsense, right? Yeah. And some <laughs> yes, of them are bad, know. real bad. Uh, oh, I can I can imagine. I have a sister that was a nurse. She's finally retired for eons. And uh, she's in the same boat as you. She has such a tough time watching a lot of the television stuff around it for that very reason, because it's so stupid. You know what I mean? In that sense, it's a dramatic effect. And you know what I mean? And so not, you know, reality at a million levels. That's the entertainment field. If it was real, people would be bored. You know? Oh, yeah. There's real difficulty in being a nurse. Genuine, you know exhaustion and oh yeah you know and difficulty and oh god you know i'm preaching to the choir on that one. well and i can tell you in 30 years i've never seen five doctors walk a patient to the bathroom that i mean i'm just going to be honest with you that's never happened um right so earlier you were talking about looking at like a pile of dirt or sticks on the ground or whatever and, and kind of having this vision so you talked about kind of this hollywood spin on this type of thing so i'm gonna be dead honest with you when you first said that all i could think about was the scene in robin hood the one with um uh oh i can't think of his name right kevin costner where the witch took the bones and she threw it on the top of the thing and she's all like spinning the plate and everything so when you talked about looking at sticks on the ground that was literally the first thing that came into your head right because i'm like oh yeah okay so he's looking at sticks and he's like no, no, no. This means something. Which now talking to you, I I get it. There is meaning and balance. Cause it's like and, and the right. funny thing is that science actually explains it. And when science explains it, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, this is great. But I think of the Fibonacci sequence, which is everywhere. Right. And, and that's numerology in kind of yeah. its purest form. Right. Yeah, it's the sacred language of the numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the, the, the theatrical drama that you see, you do see some of that in cultural references, you know, in, in a real way, too. They may use actual bones in Africa yeah. and different places to read. But you know what? what a lot of the people, this is also, you can break this down to witch doctors. It was like, it's not that um, everyone cause looks at that and they think, oh, it's all malarkey witch doctors but people healed sometimes from the witch doctors <laughs> you know what i mean they that the, the fanfare of shocking the person to to make some type of change in their life alone could right. actually have a profound effect i always think in western medicine i've always said this i'm i'm impressed by doctors and their ability to you know with surgery and various other things but the few times i've been in a hospital or something like that what impressed me was the nurses and i'm not just saying this to like in a brown nose way, the nurses are the caretakers, right? The ones that make you feel, you know what I mean? Yes. The doctor is using the surgery and, and ha- obviously has value, but to me, there's a deeper purpose in being nurtured and taken care of. And you know what I mean? And having a nurse that closes the curtain and doesn't let everyone watch when they're sticking a shot in your ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? The kindness of it. Right. right. You know what I mean? I could go on. Well, <laughs> but to your point, I always laugh because um, at one point I taught nursing and Florence Nightingale is my prime example of exactly what you just talked about. She didn't have fancy IV pumps, ventilators. Her biggest claim to fame was she would go in and at least sit and talk to those with leprosy and people with leprosy. They were like, they were dying because it was a failure to thrive because nobody wanted to be near them. But by yeah. her being there in presence, 
it raised their spirits and they had a positive effect. So right to your point, like, absolutely. It's that, it's that being a moment and, and listening and, and being, you know, we're Western versus Eastern in a lot of ways, medicine wise. Yeah. You, you can, you know, you, you can, I mean, even biblically, the story of Christ walking among the leopard. Yeah. The intention was that the caring overrode the illness. It was, you know, no intention of contracting leprosy, but being able to love and care for. Listen, we went through um, another interesting patterning to the astrology that was going on in early 2020 was there was some similar correlations to what was going on in the early to mid 80s during the AIDS crisis. And that was another thing that had so much to do with kindness and understanding and, you know, and people wanting to hold the baby, even though, you know what I mean? That We're going down an interesting road, but I, it's something that, like I said, to me, I remember my own mom when that whole crisis was going on. My mother was a very cold Aries German woman who I love dearly, but she was cold. But my mom used to say when that whole crisis was going on, she wanted to go down to the hospital and hold the AIDS babies that were not being held. Oh, yeah. And it so made me love my mom. Oh, absolutely. You know, helped override all of her terribleness, and there was plenty. Oh. (laughs) But I was like, that's a really good part of humanity in that way. So, you know, we all have it. That's an amazing story about your mom. That is that, and that that's that's the true definition of a person. You can be cold, you can be all of the above, but when true human suffering is in place, yeah. what is your response? And hers was, you step up. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Um, okay, seven four seven. Okay. Now, so now, hold on. I want to take. So I got to tell you. I got to tell you. Sto- yeah, I got to tell you a story about this. Okay. So, and this is kind of why I was really wanting to talk to somebody about this. There's actually more than the 747 thing. I'm going to give you kind of a breakdown of why it freaks me out a little bit. So, of course, um, for those that may not read on, you know, the show notes, I was born at 747 p.m. And I have this thing where. I could be just out of the blue, look at a clock, speedometer, um, almost anything, and there's 747. But it doesn't stop there. So I was born on 127. Mm. My mom died on 721. All through my life, there has been things like that. And it's just, it's really, but, and I'm like you, I like math. I'm a numbers guy. So when I see patterns like that, it's like, wait a second, what's the deal? Help me, Obi-Wan. No, (laughs) like, like I don't understand this. Let me break it down in three ways. First way is 747. The number seven represents like the intellect, knowledge. Um, It can represent higher heightened ideals spirituality you know they're not as far away from each other as one might think the intellect and the spiritual self in that way the seven is the number of perfection of fine-tuning something the number four represents the practicality to do what needs to be done people with strong four energy tend to like listen when you gotta clean up the dog do you clean up the dog do you're not a baby right you know what i mean you, you deal with stuff. That's a very four thing. All right, this is what has to be done. You got to, sometimes you got to clean the gutters. You know what I mean? In that sense, you know, uh, so 747. So you can break that down by looking at the numbers individually. If you add them together, you've got um, seven, seven is 14. And then four is uh, 18. I'm doing my math here correctly in my head. Uh, 14, 15, 16, 17. Yeah, 18. So that would bring it to a nine. And the number nine kind of represents spiritual connection and empathy and understanding and transformation. So that's a couple of points. If you read, she actually has the number 747 in, in this book, very simple line. And, and what it means, she says, the angels are telling you to soar high in the direction of your dreams right now. Get out. Yeah, that's the meaning of 747, right? To be willing to soar. I know, see what I mean? It's like, it's cool. Because the other thing 
is, and then I want you, obviously, you're going to tell why that triggers with you. The other thing is, is that's the concept behind seeing repeated number combinations. It's sort of like, whether you call it your God source, your higher self, your spirit guides, your angels, to me, it's all the same thing in different dressing. It's all that larger part of you that has guides and helpers and, you know, your your own wisdom and the God energy, however you, you praise it. When you see repeated numbers, the concept behind it is sort of like your spirit guides, your higher self help is like, hey, man, you're on track. We're just reminding you you're on track. If you're stressing and you're worrying, we're going to keep showing you number combinations so you calm down and you understand that we're leading you somewhere, even if you don't understand why we're taking you down this road. Oh, man. Get out. That's unreal. That's not, that's because it, it, it's weird that you say that. Well, it's not weird because, of course, you know what you're talking about. But for me, it's weird because there there are those times when I see it and I guess I feel better, but I didn't realize like I felt better. You know, like it's a familiar thing. I just kind of like, oh, OK, but you're right. There's times when I see it and I, I just feel better. Um, wow, that's unreal. Because it just it, it triggers a. It triggers the emotional body. Many people will say that I always wake up at 444 in the morning or, you know what I mean? Or, you know what I mean? A lot of times when I look at the clock, it's 1111 or so you listen, we have an ego logical mind for a reason. It helps us navigate intangible reality. We don't need to get rid of it. <laughs> it's useful. <laughs> There's some, some, some new age people get a little too kooky for their own good. You know what I mean? Where right. you, you know, you still got to pay the bills and you know what I mean? And deal with tangible reality. If you believe you're not going to get run over by a train and then you stand in front of a train, you're going to get run over by a train. We agree to certain things about physical reality. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so stop being a dope. You know, don't stand in front of the train. It's a simpler solution. But by the same token, um, that part of us, that intuitive part of us needs that reassurance, needs that recognition in that way. You see this a lot with animals and, you know, people say that, you know, I'm trying to come around, you know, there's a cat, a cat came into my life or, you know what I mean? There's just so many ways. I always just say, I think our higher self is constantly talking to us and we just have not been trained to listen because it's like, who me? Okay, and then our logical mind always ruins everything because <laughs> so that... it wants to break it down. Well, and and try right. to be logical in a way. For some, it's like you feel like you're not grounded if you can't make sense of it, you know. But so is that deja vu? Is that like deja vu? Yeah, yeah. That, there's a lot of different explanations for what deja vu is. Sometimes we dream something, um, and now we're experiencing it, and it's familiar. You know, they, you could talk about possible past life connections, possibly, or, you know, a lot of times scientists try to explain it as like a loop in the brain where you just sort of forgot for two seconds and then you got it now. I always think that's a little bit of a stretch that's <laughs> because if you've got a real true deja vu, it's like, you ever, like, I, I always said this, every relationship I've ever had in an intimate way was when I first met that individual, I knew them. I just did. Something was familiar. There was something about this that was like kind of meant to be, you know what I mean? And so people think I'm nuts when I say that, but I'm telling you, more people feel this way than don't. Yeah. Way oh, more. Oh, yeah. Because we all know that. Come on. You know, where you're like, you know, you look at your baby for the first time and you're like, I know you. Oh, yeah. I know you. You know, you go to the, uh, you go to get a dog and you, you gotta, you gotta get a, beagle and then you go to the shelter and this little you know a, a cocker spaniel is just looking at you you're like all right that's my dog screw the beagle i'm getting the cocker spaniel that's my dog you know what i mean and these things to me are they are really parts of life that we're often sort of trained to ignore absolutely absolutely and i think and i blame grade school i'm gonna blame grade school it starts in grade school <laughs> yeah unquestionably I mean, I can tell you something really trippy. When I was a kid, when I was like six or seven years old, I remember once saying to one of my friends that I was so glad I was a boy in this lifetime because it's easier to be a boy. And everyone was like, uh, what type of weird child are you? But that's the weird thing. I remembered living other times when I was a kid. I didn't know other people didn't do that. I thought everybody did that. You know what I mean? That you sort of remembered other times. A little, not in graphic detail, but like in some type of limited way, 
You know what I mean? That yes. you just sort of remembered. So I, like I said, I was a weirdo at a young age, but you know, I, 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 you know, I persevered anyway. <laughs> you know, I just kept, I, I put it to the side for a little while. And then I, I just kind of kept studying and learning, especially when I got to like 16, 17 was when I was like, all right, I'm really going to kind of start really studying this stuff because I put it to the side for too long. See, and I, and I really, first of all, I admire that you had the courage to follow what you really were into and believe. Cause that's, I mean, I never did that. I, um, and we're, that's a whole other conversation I have of how I got here. But, um, it, first of all, that's amazing, but I think we, I mean, I can speak for myself, but you sound so familiar in what you're saying, because I remember being in like kindergarten and like learning something and feeling like it, I was frustrated when I was first learning cursive. This is back. I mean, you know, back when we taught cursive, right. Um, I was frustrated because I felt like I should already know how to do this. Yeah. And that's awesome. And, and I couldn't, it. I couldn't, well, and I couldn't explain it to my mom. Cause I'm like, I'm so mad. And she was just thought that I was flustered because I just wasn't learning it fast enough, but it was in my mind. I was like, no, no, no. I know how to do this. Why can't I do this? Cause you're, you're, cause you're in a, you're in a, the, so the theory would be in other lifetimes and other times and places you already learned this. So some part of you kind of knows it. The problem is in, in this lifetime, your spastic body doesn't know how to do it yet even though you know it, but your body has to still learn it. You know what I mean? In fact, there's a great quote um, that I often like to use where it's like, we're, all, it, we're often striving to become what by nature we already are. And oh. so, like, for instance, if you're a nurse, you were a nurse as a child. You know what I mean? Give me a break. It wasn't that you were trained as a nurse, but you had already had some type of disposition. You were probably fixing wounded birds wings you know what i mean and you were the the part of you kind of cared in a way in that sense and you can look back when i was a kid um i used to do pretend radio shows with my friends like we would make i would tape pretend radio shows and and we used to do like grand plays and performances and then by the time i was in my late 20s or early 30s i started doing television and radio oh yeah but i was doing it as a kid you know what i mean like what Weird ass kid is like, you know, like I had my friends doing seances when we were like 11, 12 years old. You know what I mean? And then I outgrew them because it was sort of like that was just kind of getting a little more into a darker part of that. And but you know, you're all, you're drawn to that early on, and then hopefully you grow up and look at much more solider subjects to go into. But again. I was born to do media. You know what I mean? Right. It's, and then when I looked, then when I learned astrology, it's all over my astrology chart. Oh yeah. It's all over it. You know what I mean? It's not a shock. It's all over the place. You know what I mean? Right. A little bit of a hand, you know, uh, in that way. <laughs> well, so and here's, I think these dispositions are there. So here's your mom, you know, talking to, you know, Oh, Jimmy's in there talking with his friends. Oh, he's got imaginary friends. No, he's communicating with Marie Antoinette. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. You know, so as it is, you're, I, I just, I'm always telling people when I talk to clients and they're looking for like, I want to figure out what I want to do in my life and what my life purpose is. I'm always like, look at your childhood. You probably were doing things already and someone just ruined it. Someone told you this is what you got to do and this is what is right in your family. And, and listen, you chose your family at some level too. That is the truth in astrology and things of that nature. As much as you may not like to hear it, you chose your mom, you chose your dad at a higher self level. Because then you got there and you were like, what was I thinking? Right. When you actually, <laughs> when you're physically born, <laughs> what was I thinking? You know what I mean? But okay. I came but, back for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is, look, this woman's crazy. This is going to be my mother this time. Oh my God, what am I out of my mind? You know what I mean? Right. But I was laughing because we used to, my brothers and sisters, we always complain about my mom for a lot of reasons. But one thing that's very funny about all my siblings, and I got six brothers and sisters. Wow. The thing about my mother is you, you couldn't kill her if you tried. <laughs> it, it, my mother was an unbeatable Aries. You would not crush her until she was ready. She will go down fighting. And that's a weird attribute all of my brothers and sisters have. You could not kill a Ventura if you tried. We will go when we're ready. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. In that sense, period. You know, it's like it makes you stronger. 
just try it. Just tell me I can't do something. It's like drawing a line in the sand from me. Oh, I'm going to do it now just to spite you in that sense, just to show you don't get to tell me what I can't do. Right. You know what I mean? So kind of got that from my mother. Well, there you go. You so know? what is what is Aries? Like, I don't know the – is it which month? Aries is, is typically time-wise, um, you know, that's around uh, late March through the majority of April. Um, and so Aries, whether you – know, if Aries is a sun sign – or a moon sign or a rising sign, you're going to have those those characteristics more notably in personality. It's a cardinal um, masculine fire sign. So all that means is cardinal signs are the ones that are the ones that this is what has to be done and this is what we're going to do. They take charge, cardinal signs. You know, you're Sagittarius, right? Oh, yeah. Sagittarius is mutable fire. That means, you, you know, if you're true Sagittarius, you got your hands in 37 jars all the time. Oh, yeah. Sagittarius is mutable. It juggles a million things. So you'd be bored out of your mind. You can't just do one job. You know, when you ask a Sagittarius what they do for a living, there's often like nine things that you do. Because you're Sagittarius. You're all over the place. You know what I mean? That is the gift of Sagittarius. I'm Sagittarius also. I don't, when people ask what I do for a living, I'm always like, it's a long list, man. <laughs> I'm a writer. And I'm an author, I do radio, I do YouTube, and I do counseling, and I do astrology, and I'm mean, people just like, I'm just an accountant. That's awesome yeah. that you're just an accountant. I just can't no. just do one thing. I got a mutability. Absolutely, absolutely. So the reason I asked, my old man was born in April. My old man was an Aries, and I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. But that, so he lived um, 88 to 88, um, and he... Um, you know, he fought in World War II, and I'm going to tell you right now, I get it. Like, he, absolutely. He, yep, that, that Aries it's a, thing. It's a strong sign. Oh, yeah. Positive pole of Aries is I exist. It means you're meant to carve out a different path in your life. You're meant to be unique. You're meant to, you know, to walk your own road in your own strong way. Negative of Aries is me first, where they often read it according to their own. Everything somehow affects them and somehow is an insult in that way to them. My mother used to... My mother would pull out of church, my Aries mother, and like after a spiritual church experience, she'd be in a war with someone over parking because <laughs> someone cut her off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Mom, they're just a bad driver. They're right. not, they didn't get up this morning to ruin your life. You know what I mean? In that sense, like the, you know. So was your thing. mom of the mindset you can forgive, but you never forget? Yeah. Oh, very yeah. Very much so. My yeah. mother was born in 1933. So she was born at the tail end of the uh, the depression. Yeah, but so she was strong. But yeah, that is her. Oh, my mother. My, we, I, if you pissed mom off, she would eventually kind of start talking to you again. But you'd never discuss the issue, and you never would be fully forgiven. <laughs> she just moved forward. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you never actually confront it. Where you know Sagittarius, it's like let's talk about this. Let's understand what happened here. Let us know. Well, let us let's figure out the meaning behind. All right. No, who cares? Get lost. We're just you're still my son. We carry on. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's a different mindset, right? Bye. It is. And 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 growing up in that environment, there's always this like I'm upset with you. When I'm ready, I'll talk to you again. Whereas the Sagittarius or me is like, no, 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 we can discuss this now. I'm ready. <laughs> right. That's what my that's my that's my eternal joke. The uh, Sagittarius positive pole Sagittarius is I understand. So Sagittarius gifted, even if you disagree with someone's philosophy and point of view, which you often will, oh, yeah. you can always tell people why they think that way. This is a very Sagittarian thing. It's like a weird kind of a gift to sort of get. I'll tell you why they think that way. You know what I mean? That's it. The negative pole of Sagittarius is I exaggerate. No story out of a Sagittarius mouth is ever 100% accurate. You always make it more interesting. That is the nature of Sagittarius. You know what I mean? It's like that's why you find a lot of writers and artists and priests and motivators and public speakers. And, you know, think of like, you know, I always say the gift of Sagittarius, think of Brad Pitt. It's that little glint in the eye. I always joke, like, I could say things to people and get away with stuff that most human beings could never get away with. <laughs> as a because I always have that sort of smirk on my face mm -hmm. where it's like I'm actually insulting you, but at the same time, isn't that hysterical? Because I'll, And then the next breath, I'll rip on me purposely to dissuade the whole energy of it. Oh, yeah. Smart. You know I mean, it's ink. You know what I mean? So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It's fabulous. Um, Jim, I, b before we go, 
what are you doing now? What I know you have the YouTube. I know you, what are you doing? Um, you know, uh, my, my current, I, I really only about a year ago, I started doing YouTube, um, uh, promotional videos. So I've been do, trying to do those once a month. One of the things that I've done for a number of years that I'm putting even more energy into is I write a column called Snake Goyle. And, I, you know, that's a very purposeful tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. name. I did that because, again, being Sagittarius, when I was younger, people were like, oh, Jim's a snake oil salesman. Right. So, of course, I decided to call my column Snake Oil. There you go. Try to make fun of me and see where that gets you. Right. You know what I mean? Anyway, so, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still writing the column and uh, I'm working on another book now, albeit slowly. Uh, but for the last uh, three years, interestingly, I've been doing um, a, quite a bit of TV for ABC on the list. Um, and that's actually been a lot of fun. Um, I did a public access talk show back in the late uh, late 90s for about two years. And then it was like 20 years later before I did television again. It was such a trippy thing when it came back. But I really... Um, one of my goals when I get older is uh, I want to do television writing. When I get older, I'm not sure how much I'm already 56. Uh, I want um, eternal eternal youthfulness of Sagittarius, exactly. right? Um, I want to um, I want to do television writing. Um, you know, that's something that I'm I, I've always sort of known I would eventually do. But uh, you know, again, the mutability. I love television. I've studied it all of my life. I used to think I was just sitting watching TV doing nothing. Right. But the truth is I was studying it. I know a lot about it and I'd like to sort of incorporate humor and um, spirituality together because I think it's an area that will grow over the next few years. Oh, wow. Well, that's great. Well, and again, I'm going to, uh, I really hope that whoever um, takes the time to listen to this and, and, and goes through the show notes, I want to put all your links in. I love your YouTube videos. The tarot one, I I loved that one. I loved the way it started. It was very it, that was the best. Um, and it was, I mean, it's super informative. But I like that you make light of the fact that, um, like you make you kind of take the air out of the trolls a little bit. You take a little, yeah. you know, and and but it was so informative. And when I saw it, I'm like, I have to talk to this guy because he he's right. just he's the best. Um. Jim Ventura, I cannot thank you enough. You have been a fabulous guest. Um, I'm really hoping that over the course of the next few years, um, for the 100th show, I want you back. I want you back. Sure. Um, and we'll do we'll do anything you want. We'll do astrology. We'll do anything. But you have just been a joy, and I can't thank you enough for your time. Yeah, there's a, a great subject for a future thing is talk about animal totems. It is <laughs> another area of such unbelievable interest for people to learn about animal totems. This is an area of confusion for people. And when you learn about it, it's such mind-blowing that you can use the energy of animals to help you in a very tangible way. Um, so there's a, you know, that's the beauty. I got like 37 subjects. <laughs> I do. Yeah, the nature of the beast, right? Absolutely. Jim, we're going to do them. I I appreciate you so much. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Edited for Content podcast. Again, if you enjoyed it, let me know, share it, and come back again. Thanks for listening, my friend. Have a great day.